Good morning. <clears throat> it's wonderful to see everyone here this morning. Thank you so much for being here with us this morning, uh, making the choice and the decision to be here with us this morning. That life is about choices. And you chose to be here to worship God and truth and the spirit and to sing songs of praise unto our God and to, and to study a portion of his word. Like Monty said, if you are visiting with us, thank you so much for being here. You have blessed us with your presence. And I hope that you and everyone find yourselves comfortable and edified in the, in the services this, this morning. That the things that we study from God's word will edify you and will benefit you during your Christian walk. <clears throat> I have most of the verses up here on the board for your, for your convenience, but there's one time we're going to turn to Acts chapter 8 and read from, from there. So if you do have a Bible with you or a phone or something of that nature, I would encourage you to, to have that ready as we will turn and study these scriptures to, uh, together. I thank Riley for that reading this morning from 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I hope it is not misleading because if you, if you think we're going to do a, a lesson about love, we're not going to do a, a lesson about love this morning. What I want us to talk about this morning <clears throat> Excuse me. What I want us to talk, talk about this morning is failure. And that doesn't, might not sound as exciting as it is about love. It's like, I want to talk about love, Justin. Well, I want us to talk about failure this morning and how we as Christians deal with failure. Because if I asked everybody in this room to raise your hand if you've never failed in anything in your life, there would be no hands raised. Everybody fails. Failure happens. But what I want us to talk about is how do Christians deal with failure? Because it needs to be dealt with. It shouldn't be ignored. It shouldn't crush us. It shouldn't ruin our lives. It should be something that we recognize, we acknowledge, and we deal with. And how do we deal with that in a godly Christian manner? Failure, as defined in, in the dictionary, is an, is an omission on the part of someone or something of what is expected or required. It's omitting something that is expected of you or something that is required of you. And us as Christians, there are things that are expected of us. There are things that are required of us. And sometimes we fail to do those things. I have failed as a son many times. If you want to know, you can ask my dad. He's, he's right back there. I have failed as a husband, and I have failed as a father. If you want to know that, Miranda's sitting right in front of him. I have failed as a Christian as well. If you want to know that, you, you can ask me if you want to after services. We can talk about those things. But failure is something that happens. Why? Because we are human. We fail. But how do we deal with that failure? This lesson come about from 1 Corinthians chapter 13 because these, these sets of verses on love, and this is the Bible's definition of love. If there's a, a biblical definition of what love should be or what love is, it's found here in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And many people, Ian and Franklin and, and, and some people here lately, have, have read these verses. And I've really studied these verses and I found something out. Let us read them first. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 8, the Bible says, Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy, love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thanks no evil. Does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. And as I thought about these verses, I realized that there are people in my life some of these people could be sitting here right in this room now that I have said, I love you. And then I realize that I envied that person. Or there's someone that I have said, I love you, and I behaved rudely to that person. There's some people that I have said, I love you, and I was puffed up because I thought I was better than that person. And I realized I had failed in the, in 
love. I failed in saying I love you to that person. Because if you don't love that person exactly like this, you failed in this biblical version of love. And I realized that I had failed in that. And there was, there was other failures in my life. Because the Bible here says that love never fails. So was it love that failed or was it me? It was me. That the Bible says that love never fails. It's not love that fails. It's the human element. And there's other things in our life that we can look at that we know does not fail. The Bible says that love doesn't fail. If you love someone and you have acted rudely or you've envied them or you were jealous of them, it's you that is in fault. It's you that has failed, not love. God never fails as well. Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 6, the Bible says, Be strong and of good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, he is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. If you have the King James Version there, and I should have said that before we started, we're going to be reading all the verses out of the New King James Version this morning. But the King James Version there where it says he will not leave you, it says he will not fail you. God will never fail you. God does not fail that if you, know, or if you have heard someone say, well, God has just failed me. Well, God didn't fail you. It was probably you that failed or somebody else. It's the human element that fails. God does not fail. Love does not fail. And the, and the, and the scriptures tell us that God is love. So we can see those things and understand that they don't fail. Love doesn't fail. God doesn't fail. It's the human element that does the failing is the one that falls short. But many times we, we, we see the scriptures, like in Matthew chapter 5, verse 48, where the Bible says, Therefore you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. And we see those verses, and we think that we should be perfect, that we should have no failure, that we want to be perfect. Well, if you look up that word perfect, I don't have the strongest definition of that word. The Greek word there means complete, means that you, are, you can be complete. But many times we think that we should be perfect, and if we don't hit that mark, then we just think that we're no good, that we can't be a Christian, that we're no good. When the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, we all fail. We all fall short. That if we fall short and we fail, but we look at that failure and we learn from that failure and we strive to do better, that's how we become perfect. That's how we become complete, is by not ignoring the fact that all have sinned and fallen short. That we take that failure and we learn from it. So failure is one of the best teachers. That sometimes we don't want that, especially as a parent. I don't want my kids to meet that teacher. We really don't. We say, I don't want my kids to meet that teacher. But guess what? They're going to meet the teacher named failure. And they're going to have to learn from that teacher. And if they learn from it in a godly manner, they will be better Christians in the future. That I want us to learn from our mistakes. Learn from failure one of the best teachers. I want us, to, I want us to, to look at the process that I believe is how Christians should deal with failure. And I want us to, uh, uh, to look, look at some people that I believe do this things. that are Christians and they fail and they learn from that failure and the process that we should follow. So we're talking about man of God or men of God or Christians. That's the bar that we're talking about. We're talking about us in this room right now. Christians. We are Christians and then failure happens and it's going to happen. And then someone lets you know you failed. That's, that's a rough job. If you're the person that has to go, go to someone and be like, you know you failed. You made a mistake. But what we need to recognize is the person that does that loves you. The person that goes to you and says, look, you failed, but we can deal with this failure. That person loves you. And then learn from that failure 
or do we? That's the question mark. Do you learn from your failures or do you try to hide it? Do you try to cover it up or do you let it just crush you? And then I love to go one step further. And that one step further is ask for help and then teach others. That's the extra step. That's the extra mile. That not only do you learn from that failure, you ask people to help you get through that failure and then possibly teach others so that they don't have to go through the same thing. There's three people, there's three men that we are going to look at as examples of people that follow this process of, of when they fail. As King David, the Apostle Peter, and Simon the, the Sorcerer. And at first I had this listed out as just David, Peter, and Simon. But I, I thought I'd make it a little bit more real. That we're talking about King David. We're talking about the Apostle Peter and Simon the, the Sorcerer. These were men that were, were after God's own heart. This was a man like, like Peter who was with Jesus daily for many years. And these men failed. And I also look at how they deal with failure. The first I want to look at is King David. The Bible tells us in Acts chapter 13, verse 22, the Bible says, And when he had removed him, he raised, up, he raised up for them David as king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart who will do all my will. That's God. God is saying, I have found David. And this man, David, is a man after my own heart. God loves David. God is going to raise up David as king. That's the kind of person we're talking about. And we're going to see his failure. In 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 2, the Bible says, <clears throat> Then it happened one evening that David arose from his bed and walked on, on the roof of the king's house. And from the roof he saw the woman bathing. And the woman was very beautiful to behold. So David sent and inquired about the woman. And, and, and someone said, is this, is this not Bathsheba of, of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? Verse 4, Then David sent messengers and took her, and she came to him, and he lay with her, for she was cleansed from her impurity, and she returned to her house. And the woman conceived, so she sent and told David and said, I am with child. That's the failure. That's, that, that's the adultery there. And I, we just read that David was a man after God's own heart. And David messes up big time here. This is a big mistake. But it goes further than that. 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 14, and the Bible says, In the morning it happened that David wrote a letter to Joab and, and sent it by the hand of Uriah. And he wrote to, in the letter saying, Set Uriah in the forefront of the hottest battle and retreat from him that he may be struck down and die. Verse 16, So it was while Joab besieged the city, that he assigned Uriah to a place where he knew there were men of, 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 of there were valiant men. Then the men of the city came out and fought with Job, and some of the people of the service of David fell, and Uriah the Hittite died also. So not only did David commit this sin, this failure, he also sent the, the husband of that woman to his death. Okay, so that's a big, big failure. That's not just having a test like in school and missing a few questions, and David got a B. Now, David failed the test completely. This is a failure. This is committing adultery, and it is a sin. A man after God's own heart. So, failure has happened here. 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 26 through, through 27, the Bible says, When the wife of Uriah heard that Uriah, her husband, was dead, 
she mourned for her husband. And when the mourning was over, David sent and brought her to his house, and she became his wife and bore him a son. But the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. It displeased the Lord. Why? Because he committed sin. He committed a, a, a adultery there. He failed. He failed big time, and it displeased the Lord. So he is a man after God's own heart. He is a man of God, and now failure has happened. And now here comes Nathan. Then the Lord sent Nathan, Nathan the prophet there to David in 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 1. 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 1, the Bible says, Then the Lord sent Nathan to David, and he came to him, and he said, There were two men in one city, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had exceedingly many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb, which he had bought and nourished. And it grew up to, uh, together with him and with his children. It ate of his own food and drank from his own cup and lay in his bosom. And it was like a daughter to him. And a traveler came to the rich man who refused to take from his own flock and from his own herd to prepare one for the wayfaring man who had come to him. But he took the poor man's lamb and prepared it for the man who had come to him. So you can see the, 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 the story here, that this man has come. He's got all these flocks. He's got all these things, but he takes this one poor man's lamb and takes that lamb and slaughters it and prepares it for this traveler. That's just like King David. He was king. David had all these things, and David takes this one man's wife and then sends that man's husband or, or that wife's sends that woman's husband to die. But he tells this story uh, to David, and David there in verse 5, so David's anger was great, greatly aroused against the man, and he said to Nathan, as the Lord lives, the man who has done this shall surely die. So David here is very upset. David said, how can somebody do this? This is terrible. He loved that little lamb, and this man took him and killed that lamb. So David here is, is extremely upset, and he said, whoever done this, they should die. Verse 6 of 2 Samuel chapter 12, And he shall restore fourfold the, the lamb because he did this thing and because he had no pity. So David takes it a step further. Not only should this man die before he's dead, he should fourfold. He should restore that lamb and many, th many, many times over. So David is upset. He's very upset because he's reading about this failure this man has done. And then Nathan said, You are the man. Now that's rough. That's got to be hard to take. That's got to, got to be hard to swallow. That Nathan says, you're that man. Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I anointed you king over Israel, and I delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave you your master's house and your master's wives into your keeping and gave you the house of Israel and of Judah. And, it, and if that had been too little, I also would have given you much more. That's what God is saying. David, I've given you everything. And if it was too little, I would have given you more. And you do this one thing. Is why have you despised the commandment of the Lord? Why have you failed? This is a huge failure, David. That's what God, God is saying. This is not something that can be overlooked. This is not something that, that, that could be hidden. This is not something that can, is just going to go away. Why have you despised the commandment of the Lord, 2 Samuel 12, verse 9? To do evil in his sight. You have killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword. You have taken his wife to be your wife and have killed him with the sword of the people of Ammon. That's a huge failure. And God knows everything. God knows all about that failure. So what does David say when he realizes 
So David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, the Lord also has put, put, has put away your sin. You shall not die. However, because of this deed, you have given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. The child also who was born to you shall surely die. So there's some consequences there. The child that Bathsheba is going to bear, David, is going to die. But David there says, I have sinned against the Lord. You know what that is? That's the first step about, from learning about that mistake. David sees that, that mistake, and he says, I have made this failure. I have made this mistake. But he says, I have made this failure against you, God. I have sinned against you, Lord. That David realizes and recognizes his sin, realizes and recognizes his failure. And he's already be be began the process of repenting from that failure. Now, we're going to read and learn a little bit more about how David dealt with this particular failure a little bit later towards the end of our lesson. But just understand that King David was a man after God's own heart. And he failed because he's human. Failure happened. But the thing that David does, as we're going to read later, is he deals with that failure. The second person that I want us to read about is the Apostle Peter. Luke chapter 22, verse 31 through 34, the Bible says, And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, I, I, in, indeed Satan has asked for you that, you may, that he may shift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. But he said to him, this is Peter speaking to, uh, to Jesus. There, he says, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Then he said, Jesus speaking, I tell you, Peter, the rooster shall not crow this day before you will deny three times that you know me. So that's what, what Peter is, 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 is going through here, that this is right before Jesus is about to be betrayed by Judas in, in the garden there, and he's about to be taken to be crucified and died. And the one thing that, that Peter does here is Peter sets himself a test. Peter's the one that gives himself the test. He says, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. There, there's the test. How many ever questions it, it is, you've got the test now. Have, have you been there? Have you had a test or given yourself a test? But the little bit difference about Peter here is Jesus tells him, you're going to fail that test before you even put pen to the paper. Jesus said, before the rooster even crows, you're going to deny me three times. You're going to fail that test. So Jesus is the one going to Peter and telling him, you're, you failed or you're going to, uh, to fail. But the other thing that Jesus says before that, he says, I pray that, that your faith should not fail. And when you return to me, strengthen your brethren. So, he, so Jesus says, I'm praying that your faith should not fail, that you would, you would remain faithful. But when you return to me, strengthen your brethren. So he's basically saying there right at the end, Peter, you're going to fail, okay? But when you do fail, I hope that you learn from that mistake and you return to me. And then he says, strengthen your brethren. Why does he say strengthen your brethren? Peter is a failure. Do you want someone who's a failure teaching you? Do you want someone who is a failure strengthening you? I mean, Peter's a failure. Why would we want Peter to teach us anything? Why would we want Peter to bring us that knowledge there or strengthen us? Let's look at, at, at Peter's failure. Luke chapter 22, verse 54, the Bible says, Having arrested him, that's Jesus, they led him and, and brought him uh, to the high priest's house. But Peter followed at a distance. Now when they had kindled a fire and sat in the midst of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat among them. And a certain servant girl, seeing him and sat by, seeing him sat by the fire, looked intently at him and said, This man also was with him. But he denied, saying, Woman, I do not know him. 
And after a, a little while, another saw him and said, You also are of them. But Peter said, Man, I am not. Then after about an hour had passed, another confidently affirmed, saying, Surely this fellow also was with him, for he is a Galilean. But Peter said, Man, I do not know what you are saying. Immediately, immediately, while he was still speaking, that rooster crow, or the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter, and then Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said to him, Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. So Peter went out and wept bitterly. So there's Peter's failure. Right when Jesus needed him, Peter gave himself the test, and he failed the test. That, that's, that's when they were asking, Do, you were with him. And he says, no, I don't even know who that man is. He denied Jesus. Three times he denied Jesus. That, that's a big failure. And this says that Peter went out and wept bitterly. Why? Why did Peter go weep? Why was Peter upset? Because just like David, when David realized and he said, David said, I have sinned against the Lord. Peter's saying the same thing with tears right here. He said, I've sinned. I've sinned against the Lord. And he's already began that process of repenting. He's already began that process of healing, that process of dealing with his failure. Then later on, in John chapter 21, this is after Jesus has, has, been, has, been, has been resurrected, he comes to Peter again. And, 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 and he tells Peter some, some very interesting words here in John chapter 21. Verse 15 and 16, the Bible says, So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? And he said, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, Feed my lambs. And he said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said, Tend my sheep. This is after Jesus has come back and Jesus has been resurrected. And he's speaking to Peter there. Peter, the one who failed. Then he said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Once again, as we just said, Peter was a failure. He failed. He failed Jesus. And here, Jesus is asking Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, absolutely. You know that I love you. Peter's already learning from that failure. He's already returning to Jesus. And then Jesus says, feed my sheep. You know what feed your sheep means? Strengthen the brethren. It's the same thing. He's telling that when you return to me, strengthen your brethren. Why? Because Peter can use his failure. Have you ever thought of that? Have you ever failed and then been able to get through that failure and became a stronger person and then you can go out and feed the sheep yourself or strengthen the brethren because you understand that failure. You understand how to get through that failure and how to help someone else. That's Peter. And Peter here obviously learns from that failure because if you go back and look at Acts chapter 2, verse 14 there, it says, But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said, Men of Judah all and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. Right there, Peter gives the first gospel sermon there at Jerusalem. I encourage you to go back and look at all Acts chapter 2. That this is someone who learned from his failure, has returned to Jesus, and is ready to strengthen and feed the sheep using his failure. And I mean by using his failure because he goes and tells those people at Jerusalem, you killed the Son of God. You crucified him on a tree. And those people were pricked in their hearts. You know what they were? They realized that they had failed. Those people realized they had failed, and they asked Peter, what should we do? 
And Peter said, repent. And if there's one thing the apostle Peter understands, it's repentance. He understands what it means to repent because he's failed. He understands what it means to turn back, return to Jesus and, and feed those sheep. And he's using that there. He said, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of our Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. He helps those people. He learned from his failure, and he became a stronger Christian. He became the apostle Peter. And he goes about and he teaches people how to deal with their failure. The last person I would like to read about is Simon the Sorcerer. If you would turn with me, if you have a Bible there, to Acts chapter 8. We're going to read verses 9 through 25. <clears throat> Acts chapter 8, <clears throat> beginning in verse 9. <clears throat> Acts chapter 8, beginning of verse 9, the Bible says, But there was a certain man called Simon who previously practiced sorcery in the city and astonished the people of Samaria, claiming that he was someone great, to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the great power of God. And they, and they heeded him because he had astonished them with his sorceries for a long time. But when they believed Philip and, and his pre preaching... And the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. Then Simon also himself also believed. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and was amazed seeing the miracles and signs which were done. Verse 14. Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. Who when they had come down, prayed for, for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as of yet... He had fallen on none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of, our Lord, of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. And when Simon saw that through the laying on of the hands, the, laying on the apostles' hands, the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power also, that anyone whom I lay hands on may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, Your money perish with you, because you thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money. You have neither part nor portion in this matter, for your heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent, therefore, of this wickedness, and pray to God, if perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are poisoned with bitterness and bound by iniquity. Then Simon answered and said, Pray to the Lord for me, that none of these things which you have spoken may come upon me. So when they had testified and preached the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel in many villages of the Samaritans. So that's the story of, of Simon the sorcerer there, that, that beforehand he bewitched the people with sorcery, and they thought that he was someone great. And then here comes Philip, and Philip preaches the word of God to him, and he believed. So is Simon starting that exact same process we've been going through? Yes, he's a Christian. The Bible says that he believed and was baptized, so Simon was a Christian. And then failure happens. Peter comes, and Peter lays his hands on these people and gives them the miraculous gifts of the Holy Spirit, and he wants that. So he offers them money, said, I'll give you money so I can have that power too. Well, that's his failure. And Peter, Peter lets him know about his failure. He's like, your money perished with you because you thought you could buy the, the gift of God with money. That's a failure there. So Peter is the one that is going and telling Simon about his failure. And does Simon learn from his failure? I think so. I remember in verse 22, Peter said, Repent, therefore, of your, your wickedness and pray, God, if perhaps the thought of your heart may be for, uh, forgiven you. So there, Peter talks about repentance. And we just said that the apostle Peter, he knows repentance. He understands it. 
Right now, Peter is feeding the flock. Right now, Peter is strengthening the, the, the brethren because he understands failure. Then Simon answered and said, Pray to the Lord for me that none of these things which thou hast spoken may come upon me. What does Simon do? Simon takes that extra step. Simon asks for help. Not only does he recognize he has failure, and, 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 and Simon is going to repent, and I believe he does, but he asks Peter, I ask for help. Not only am I going to pray to God, would you pray to God for me? So he's asking for help, and Peter is able to help him there. You know, there's many times that we fail or we have failure, and we think we have to deal with that failure all by ourselves. That if I have failed as a Christian or I have failed as a husband or I have failed as a father, it's up to me to deal with it. But that's not how we should do things. If we have a failure, go to someone. Go to your elders here in this place right now because they understand. Do you know why? Because they probably failed. And they probably learned from that failure so that they can become stronger Christians. That's how we should deal with that failure. Don't ignore it. Ask someone for help. You know, Proverbs chapter 5. Proverbs chapter 5, verses 12 and 14 is an example of someone who was not doing this thing. Proverbs chapter 5 says in verse 12, Proverbs chapter 5, verse 12, and say, How I have hated instruction and my heart despised correction. I have not obeyed the voice of my teachers, nor inclined my ear to those who instructed me. I was on the verge of total ruin in the midst of the assembly and the congregation. Have you felt like that before? Have you felt like you've been on the verge of total ruin because of some failure that you had? Were you not wanting to listen to your teachers or, or listen to correction or instruction? That if we fail, let us not be like this person. Let us not ignore that teacher that is failure. Let us not ignore those who are near us who can help us. Because if you feel like you're on the verge of, of total ruin, brothers and sisters, we can help you with that. If you feel that you have failed and you cannot come back from that failure, you can come back from that failure. Look at King David. That's a big failure. Did he come back from that? Absolutely. And I would like us to read in closing here Psalms chapter 51 so we can understand exactly how David dealt with that failure. Normally, I don't put this first sentence here whenever I'm reading Psalms, but I, I did here because it sets it up really well as what we've just studied this morning. It says, Psalms chapter 51, verse 1 through 3, the first verse says, To the chief musician, a psalm of David, when Nathan the prophet went to him after he had gone into Bathsheba. That's when he wrote this psalm, what we just studied in 2 Samuel. That after he had committed that sin, after he committed that failure, he wrote these words. And verse 1 says, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before me. That here he is praying to God and saying, I understand I have failed. He said that as we read, I have sinned against, against the Lord. But here he's asking God to cleanse him. And he says here in verse 3 something that I think is extremely important. David said, I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before me. You know what David did? He didn't ignore it. He didn't try to hide his failure. He says, I acknowledge my failure. And he said, my sin is always before me. David is not ignoring it. David is going to get it out and he's going to deal with it. And that's what we should do. If we have failed, we need to bring it out. We need to deal with it. We need to ask God for help or ask someone here for help. 
so we can get through that failure. Verse 6, the Bible says, Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden parts you make me to know wisdom. That through that failure and through that sin, David was able to push through that sin, and in the inner part, he was able to make no, God was able to make known wisdom. If we take that failure and we learn from it, we'll have that wisdom. Verse 7 says, Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all of my iniquities. He's pouring out his heart to God because he understands that he's failed. And, it, and, and it's not like, like we said earlier, it's not a test that you missed a few questions on and you end up getting a C and you're a little bummed out about it. He says here that make me to hear joy and gladness. Why? Because, because the bones that you have broken may rejoice. He felt this failure so deeply, he said, it feels like my bones are broken. He's got a contrite spirit. That's a crushed spirit. He is very upset. He is recognizing his failure and he's asking God to help him deal with that failure. Verse 10 says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me by your generous or your free spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners shall be converted to you. So there he's continuing to, to, tell, to ask God, God created me a clean heart. God help me fix this problem. Help me restore my, my spirit because I have failed. And then he says, and then I will teach transgressors your ways. Guess what? David was a transgressor. And he is learning. God is teaching him. And then David says, I want to take it that step further. Just like Simon asked for help to, get, to push through his failure. Here, David is saying, I'm going to teach transgressors your ways. Because David has that knowledge. David can take his failure that he has learned from it and teach others so that they don't have to go through that same failure. He's able to take that knowledge and use it and teach others to push past their failure. Failure, we can learn from one of the best teachers. That if you failed, it's because you're just like the rest of us. We all fail. But if we take that failure and we learn from it, we can be better Christians in the future than we have in the past. That we can improve our Christian life and we can grow as Christians. This morning, if you are not a child of God, if you feel that you have some failure in your life, God can fix that. God can help you with that. We are prepared to assist you with that. We have water. If you wish to be baptized and become a Christian, to, to, to walk in that newness of life, we are prepared to assist you with that. If you are a Christian and you feel like you have some failure, you've made some mistakes. We've all made mistakes. But if you want to ask for help, just like Simon the Sorcerer there asked, if you would pray for me, we are prepared to assist you with that. If there's anything that we can help you with in your Christian life, we would ask that you please come sit on these chairs up here in the front and make your wishes known as we stand and sing.